0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America N.A. Member FDSE. Geico presents Motorcycle Word of the Day. Today's word is gremlin. Is a gremlin an unknown and persistent mechanical issue? Or is it something large that gets caught in your teeth when you ride with your mouth open? As in...
1: Man, I gotta stop singing 80s power ballads when I ride. Ugh, keep getting gremlins in my teeth. Geico
0: Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Welcome to Is This Real Life? A podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of pop culture and reality TV to our own lives. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 52. I think you're really going to enjoy my conversation with Garrett Schaffel, which will be coming up in a bit, but first, I want to spill some tea. So this week, the Real Housewives of Orange County began filming again, and all of the ladies are back, plus one additional cast member, who we don't know as of yet. Things are bound to get very interesting since one of the cast members, Gina, was recently arrested a few days ago for a DUI following a mom's night out. She released a statement on Friday saying, and I quote, I made a very bad choice the other night after a mom's night out. I am extremely disappointed in myself and regret my actions wholeheartedly. I have learned a valuable lesson and hope to show you all that this one incident does not define me. I'm sure the arrest will be an interesting storyline, and we all know that the Real Housewives of OC definitely needs some interesting storylines. In other news, I don't normally do recaps of Below Deck, but want to share some crazy story that came out this past week. The last two episodes of Below Deck featured a primary guest named Crystal from Connecticut. She's about 30 years old and married and was a spoiled brat. Not only was she nasty to the waitstaff, she also was so mean to her friends. Well, this week we found out that spoiled rich bitch Crystal is dating Ross, the bosun from Below Deck. How the hell did that happen? There must have been some flirting going on, and he had exchanged his number with her or something. Interestingly enough, Crystal is married, so she likely left her husband for Ross. And how did this tea get spilled? About a week ago, Kate Chastain, the chief stew, tweeted, Somewhere in Connecticut, the most awkward viewing party ever is happening in Ballroom C of a country club. Upon seeing this, Riley Gerber, a deckhand from Below Deck, replied to Kate's tweet saying, Ladies and gentlemen, the happy couple. And then she posted a picture of Ross and Crystal that she took from Ross's Instagram feed. Ross appeared very annoyed that this had become public and that Riley had tweeted that out. And he responded, This was calculated. You took a snapshot of this photo two weeks ago and put it out there to take a dig into my personal life. I apologize for my rash response. Is it attention you're seeking? If so, keep my personal life out of it. Well, Ross, I'm wondering, if you want it to be so personal, why are you putting this on your Instagram story? where everyone can see. A few days later, Ross posted a picture of him and Crystal again with the caption, the happy couple dot dot dot, can't we just be friends? I don't know, Ross, can you? Hopefully we'll find out the answer on the upcoming Below Deck reunion. Now, the final tea I wanted to share, you all saw on Watch What Happens Live this week when Nene Leakes was asked which housewife she would go head to head with and she responded, Lisa Rinna. She actually meant to say Lisa Vanderpump and later clarified her comments saying that she has some beef with Lisa Vanderpump. Why, you ask? Well, when Nene was living in LA about four or five years ago, there was a property on the market that she was interested in purchasing. That property is now Pump Restaurant, owned by Lisa Vanderpump. According to Nini, when she saw the property was on the market, she thought, you know what, this is where all of the gay bars are, and I have a large gay fan base, and I kept thinking it would be so cool if I had a bar right in here somewhere. She says that she called Lisa Vanderpump, who already had owned Villa Blanca and Sur in the same area, just to get her opinion of the idea. Apparently, Lisa Vanderpump told Nini, oh, darling, darling, it's a piece of crap and they're charging so much for it, darling. Nini said she talked me off of it and then went and got it. That is so fucked up. And you know what, Nini? I agree. But I'm wondering, why did Nini wait four or five years to share this? I'm thinking it's because Lisa Vanderpump is on the outs with the other ladies of Beverly Hills and Nene knows that the fan base is going to potentially turn on Lisa this coming season and maybe she felt more comfortable sharing the story now. We'll have to see how things shake out on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which is returning on February 12th. Now, let's get into it with Garrett Schaffel. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 52. I am here with Garrett Schaffel. Hello. Garrett is my friend Parker's brother, but is also (laughs) my friend and a huge fan of Vanderpump Rules.
1: It's great to be here with you, Mandy. Thank you for having me. Yeah, really, really excited.
0: On New Year's, we were together and you were finally able to get through to my dad and explain to him what Vanderpump Rules is.
1: I love the show so much and I just love talking at people about it.
0: You were like explaining to him that it's not just about the show, it's about the relationships. Exactly. And the example you gave was Stasi and Kristen's and the huge fight that happened after it became clear that Kristen slept with Jax. That's true. So it was just so funny because he said he's like Garrett broke through generational boundaries. <laughs> like, I like I didn't fully understand why Vanderpump Rules was so important to you, but now I get it. It's about relationships. It's about friendships. It's about watching things in real time as they happen with yeah. real people.
1: Exactly. I mean that episode, the <laughs> when uh, Stassi slaps Kristen. I mean I remember watching that, and it was. Honestly, really, really shocking. And it's hard to really put it into words, like how earth shattering it was to hear that, like, oh, my God, these rumors, not only of like these reality show characters that we watch on this TV show, but these are like friends who have been best friends for a long time. And you've learned that. One has just been lying to the other one and slept with her ex boyfriend. And like, it was, so it was crushing. Crazy. It, it was, was seriously crushing.
0: It was soul crushing. And you could see two real friends and their friendship just vanishing.
1: Just right in front of our eyes. Oh my God. And it's a real friendship that had been there for years before we were watching the show. And. I think that unlike a lot of other reality shows where things are, you know, meticulously placed by producers wherever they want them, not to say that that doesn't happen on Vanderpump, but I mean, that's a real relationship that's just falling apart on camera.
0: And then to watch them get back together as friends and to see how Stassi forgave Kristen, especially when she needed to be forgiven. Stassi had to forgive Kristen, I think, before she could ask for forgiveness from Katie.
1: I think so, too. And, you know, the whole process of her leaving the show and then, you know, eventually coming back on and and re, you know, gaining her relationships with all of them. I think it all does go back to that. And I can't imagine what that must have been like. And not only is that your best friend telling you. I slept with your ex-boyfriend and also was lying to you about it for so long. But she's telling you that in front of millions of other people, too.
0: And so afterwards, my dad's just like, "Okay, I think I get this Vanderpump Rules thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was very, very happy to finally break through.
0: I know. Uh, I mean, it's been years that I've been watching the show. and My dad's like, I don't I don't understand your obsession.
1: Yeah. It's funny because I like... I've obviously been watching Vanderpump Rules for a really long time too. And now, and I talk about it with so many people and they say, this just like sounds ridiculous. And I say, it is ridiculous, (laughs) but it's also extremely gripping. And it's a transcendent show. And you think that you're going to hate it. And then you sit down and you watch it. And then there's just something about it that is just so just, it just pulls you in and you care so deeply about all of the people. I feel like like I know them all. I feel like, you know, it's, it's weird to say about people on a TV show, but they've been, I guess, a part of my life for years now. Like six years. Like, and it's not just watching a TV show. It's watching this group of friends that's existed for a long time, grow older for us, for our entertainment.
0: Speaking of growing older, I was fascinated by the conversations in tonight's episode about starting families. Oh, me too. It was so interesting. It's all the guys are hanging out for Tom Sandoval's birthday, and Brittany and Ariana are hanging out together. And the they keep splicing and juxtaposing the conversations between the guys and the girls. Mm -hmm. They're talking about like, oh, we want two kids, oh, we want three kids, oh, and it's just like, and at one point, I forgot who said it. Maybe it was like Schwartz. She's like, I can't believe we're sitting around talking about yeah. like having kids. <laughs> like, I know. And who like- are we? <laughs>
1: In like season two, you know, they're, uh, you know, on the on the boat in Cabo with, uh, you know, all of those different women that Jax like brought up on the boat to like just oh, piss Stasi off, yeah. and like now we're here and Jax is engaged with the woman that he loves and Stasi is with like they're all like and in giving these,
0: relationship like, advice oh that my actually God. makes sense. It
1: really does.
0: It was the first time I think Jack's made sense to me in you a think? while. Yeah. When he's just telling Tom, like, you have to have this conversation. And I, I truly believe that Tom and Ariana's relationship, there is so much more to it that we don't see on camera. I agree. And I think they wouldn't be together if they both felt that each other like had completely different wants and desires. But then when you watch the show, it comes across as if Tom really wants to have a family and has a desire to have children at some point. Ariana doesn't ever want to be pregnant or have give birth. Mm -hmm. But I don't think she's entirely opposed to having kids. Yeah, So it's interesting there.
1: It's interesting because I think that their interpersonal dynamics in their relationship are I guess the word that I would say, like, they have the most mature issue between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Like, they're they're so compatible to me, and their, their main issue in the relationship is looking further down the road of, like, is this the long-term thing, you know, with all of my real long-term wants and desires? Like, they've moved past their own compatibility with each other as partners. Yeah. And... I think I love them so much together. They're my favorite. Ariana has been my favorite person on the show for really? many years. I think that she is always really, really correct uh, in her diagnoses of all of the other characters. And I, I thought especially so uh, in this episode yeah. when it came to the, the Billy Lala uh, argument at the at Sheena's housewarming party. Oh my
0: gosh. So Sheena moves to Marina del Rey, which for those of you who aren't familiar with Los Angeles, is on the water by a bunch of boats. And to get from there to West Hollywood, you have to go on a bunch of different freeways and it takes a very long time. I know because I stayed in Marina <laughs> del Rey last time I was in LA. They have a really nice Ritz-Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. to get to Sir, we took an Uber, but it was during off-peak hours, and it still took like twenty-five, oh, yeah. thirty minutes. Yeah, I can't imagine during traffic what it would be like. Yeah, but it so was... Sheena, yeah. by the way, let's take a moment to talk about Sheena's apartment because I thought there were highs and lows. Yes, right. The I would, I would definitely agree. Is the outdoor space exactly? This place had a huge deck with all of this outdoor furniture. It was gorgeous.
1: Yeah. And then we get to the inside and (laughs) we see Sheena's tacky taste and it's like, oh, the picture of of herself on the wall. A metaphor for Sheena. (laughs) On the
0: outside, it's one thing. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's really mean. I don't have anything against Sheena, but I I don't understand someone who repeatedly makes the same mistakes, right? Yeah, And she repeatedly makes the same mistake of putting photos of herself up in her living space. (laughs) Uh, She also makes many of the same mistakes with guys and relationships
1: yes she certainly does
0: how can you keep making the same mistake if you're watching yourself make it on tv like she watches the show yeah she's even admitted to fast forwarding everyone else's scenes and only watching her own she has i didn't even know
1: that (laughs) that sounds like something that sheena would do
0: so yeah uh it was a pretty sad sight for some of the interior design yeah
1: um She did, though. She did have one moment of self-reflection in this episode. Yes. Which I think does not happen very often with Sheena. I I think that Sheena is pretty... She just has a lot of deep-seated insecurities, Mm -hmm. which I think she projects in various different ways. One, very obviously being in her relationships and just saying oh you know i'm in love with shay uh like my my marriage with shay is perfect my relationship with love it's like like, it's
0: like we're kids like we're teenagers again like what are you talking about uh and what was so interesting is she is making a lot of these same mistakes with adam where there's this guy who she works with, who she's interested in, and they're quote-unquote best friends. They start (laughs) hooking up, and it shows her hitting on him and like showing being very forward with him, and it shows him not being forward with her. Now, you know that's not the whole picture because he's choosing to sleep with her. He is choosing to spend time with her. Build
1: her furniture. Build her furniture, (laughs) yeah, in the heat.
0: Yeah. Helping her move. He cares about her. But then there's a scene where... She's with him and she's like, oh, you know, you're going to miss me tonight. And he's like, I think it's I think it'll be good to spend some time apart.
1: I'm glad that they like (laughs) let Adam even say that. I know. They never let him talk. I know. I feel like his role is just like the producer say, hey, you like studly attractive man. Stand (laughs) there for us, please.
0: (laughs) I feel like that's what Sheena wants from him, too. I do,
1: too. Like Sheena just... Does just a lot of of projecting and she does a lot of things because she thinks that, you know, it's the way that she's idealized it for herself in her mind or, you know, she needs to do something because it's what her friends want her to do. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when James came over in the last episode, like to unpack all of her stuff.
0: Oh, he helped her move. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then she was like, well, you know, my girls, you know, count on me to tell him off. But really, at this point. No one expects her to do
0: anything like that. And it makes them like her less because she's appearing to try to take sides when she doesn't. Like, she is being disingenuous.
1: Yeah. So
0: at her housewarming yes. party a lot goes down lot so goes let's down. start with breaking down James and Lala's conversation mm-hmm. so they're in the guest room that has all the cat stuff and a large picture of Sheena's face <laughs> um, and he he asks her he's saying like he wants to apologize to Randall her boyfriend and he's not sure exactly how to do that. He's like, do I write him a letter? She's like, (laughs) I'm not going to tell you how to apologize. I don't
1: even know if James has ever written a letter in his entire life.
0: Like (laughs) how, if he truly wants to apologize, he'll find a way.
1: Yeah. Like dear Randall, you know, I'm sorry that I made fun of you. I called you fat that one time, you know, hope we can be mates, you know, but like,
0: (laughs) that's a great, James Kennedy impression.
1: Oh, I appreciate it.
0: (laughs) Can you do like Tom Sandoval or Schwartz or Jax?
1: Oh God. Uh, Probably not as well. I can like do the Tom Sandoval, like crying voice. Like, I just don't know. (laughs) I just don't want us to hate each other.
0: (laughs) So good. So good. So, um, Lala's worried that if she give if she's too kind to James, she's giving him mixed signals that she wants to be friends with him. Cause while she's open to having some sort of friendship down the road, she says it's never gonna be the way it once was. Right. And then there's a conversation between Brittany and Ariana and Sheena where they're talking about Britney being upset the last episode, Mm -hmm. where she just doesn't like anyone criticizing her relationship. She just wants everyone to be happy for her. What do you make of Britney's inability to handle any criticism?
1: (laughs) To be honest, I'm actually on Britney's side in this one. I think she's been making the point of, like, I get it. Like, I know the history here. It's just like... I don't want that to be like the only thing that everybody's saying in the first moments after we're getting engaged. Like, oh, well, you know, when's he going to lapse back into his old ways? Like if I'm, you know, agreeing to marry somebody, I wouldn't want my friends like to just say stuff like that right away either. And, you know, I liked what Ariana said in that conversation of like, look, like, you know, you're going to go to therapy, like as you probably should to like continue to work on yourself as a couple. But
0: like, right. Not but,
1: dictating to her. But
0: that was the first time that Brittany had ever said, yes, we plan on going mm-hmm. to therapy. Yeah. She said, but I think I'm a little worried that she doesn't actually mean therapy and she just means premarital counseling <laughs> at the church, which let me that tell is you very true. is not the same thing as therapy. <laughs> it's wonderful. I think everyone should do it, but it is just not the same as actual relationship counseling. Yeah. But I think they can use all the help they can get. Yeah. So I think going to the church is great. I yeah. just I it's not exactly what I think Ariana has in mind. No. And Ariana herself has benefited so much from therapy. Agreed. She's been very open. She's uh knows how to articulate herself, she knows how to handle conflict in a really effective way where she voices when she's upset, but she doesn't go over the top and project her emotions onto the people that she loves and cares about the most.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Then Sheena divulges the big info that she's been sleeping with Adam. Oh, my God. <laughs> we just
1: did it again and again and again and again.
0: We were both shook.
1: Uh, <laughs> like, I'm Sheena, and, like, I've never had an orgasm until now. It's but so
0: like... – she shades her ex in so <laughs> many ways. Yeah.
1: And like before that, it was like when she was with Rob, oh, nobody's ever made me feel this way.
0: And they break the fourth wall in this episode when they have her confessional and the producer is asking her, do you think you were thinking about Adam when you were with Rob last season? And she's like, well, but if I say that, then I'll be the girl that was thinking about Rob when I was with Shay and thinking about Adam when I was with Rob. And I thought, she knows how she comes across. Yeah. Yeah. So, if she knows how she comes across, then why does she still behave the way she does on camera? <laughs> does she think it's funny? Yeah. I mean, I think that Sheena, there
1: was a really great article in um New York magazine's The Cut, where it basically said, you know, you either know how to be in this group of people or you know or which is pretty much everybody or you're the two people on the show that, like, try to fit into what they think that a reality show character does, which is Sheena and James. And they make a lot of decisions for themselves based off of just like what they think like is the right thing to do to be a character on Vanderpump Rules, but they don't do the right thing that necessarily is appropriate for the dynamic of the friendships and the group that they're in and have been in now for many, many years. And they've never quite gotten over that hump. I think that's so
0: interesting and a hundred percent accurate. I feel like they don't have a good sense, like a good gut feeling of what, not what's right and wrong, but just like for them, what's right and wrong. Like what decisions are they comfortable with? What do they like? What do they dislike? What do they want? What do they not want? Yeah. And I don't feel like they're in tune with themselves. And so they behave in these ways that just, it's like, it seems so fake.
1: Yeah. I think that, A lot of it comes down to the fact, and this goes back even though they've both been on the show for a long time. You know, the very first episode of the show, Sheena isn't in the group of friends. And when James comes on, he's not in the group of friends either. And I think Sheena has just constantly throughout her run on the show just been a character that is just trying to do what she thinks might like have her fit in to what people want of her rather than just – be. You know, letting go, yeah. like somebody like Lala does, who I think is really the only true success like non relationship you know character that got introduced in the middle of the show's run, Just and she because had no friendship with them no, beforehand, not and at they all. disliked her, yeah,
0: but she stuck true to herself, yeah, and one thing that I think they all really respect her for is when she was initially dating Randall for those first two years and he was still going through his divorce proceedings and he's you know famous Hollywood producer married to an actress you know not the best Hollywood producer but a Hollywood producer and she he didn't want his name out there and she protected him yeah and she called that's why she always said oh my man this my Mm -hmm. man that she was just saying something other than Randall. Right. And as soon as his divorce was finalized, then she said his name on camera. Yeah. And that was just it really, it showed how loyal she is mm-hmm. to someone that she cares about. And I think she's loyal like that to her friends once they're her friends.
1: Agreed. Which has honestly, it, it made the breakdown of the friendship between her and James, honestly, really heartbreaking.
0: It was because she was so loyal to him. And oh, he, yeah. Doesn't understand Not loyalty. One bit. He will flip on anyone
1: because he thinks that that's like what he needs to do as this reality show villain.
0: But he does it when there's no cameras. I know.
1: It's really sad.
0: But maybe he thinks everyone's watching him anyhow I all know. the time. He is a
1: very conceited person.
0: <laughs> He's ridiculous. I mean, you know, he met Raquel because she was just like lying in wait for him while he was DJing one night. Oh, really? Yeah, she stood and waited for him to meet him. She was a groupie. Oh wow.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, makes sense for Raquel, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: then let's get to the big blowout right. fight. So so in previous episodes, Katie throws a girls' night party on Tuesday at Sur, and she invites some of her friends to help throw that party and put a flyer out. She puts on Instagram or Twitter of the flyer and doesn't tag Billy Lee. Although, I believe Sheena or somebody else posted it and did tag Billy Lee. So, there's that. Mm -hmm. But... Billy, who's transgender and grew up as a boy, always felt that she wasn't included in girls' activities and routinely felt left out. And so this just brought back the trauma from her childhood. And it had nothing to do with her being transgender. They're just not friends with her. But she, it just invoked so much pain that she reacted so harshly. And instead of going to this group of women and asking them, like, how come you're putting on this event? She took to social media and voiced her displeasure there and for the whole world to see and see they did because I remember when she tweeted this stuff. I remember when she was liking the post that called Katie and others transphobic and I was following this and I was like, I wonder if she's just trying to do a storyline. Is this real? What's going on? And there were people who were at SUR for that girls night who were videotaping the, conversation between Katie and Billy and putting it on Instagram live. Yeah. Like, look at what's going on. Like it's it was so crazy. So Lala was one of the people who was the most upset with Billy because Billy accused Katie and the rest of them of being transphobic and sits down with Billy Lee at Sheena's party. Yes. It doesn't go very it well. It does not
1: go very well. Um I think you know, Lala, as we've seen over the past you know few years, has a very um, trademark type of way that she enters into conflict uh, when arguments happen. Um, I think that Lala, her own you know social politics when it comes to um, the groups of friends that she that she has, is to treat everybody like with equality. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't care. You know whether you're transgender or you know black or gay or or what anything um and i think that that's actually not the right way to look at it because she's not she's while she thinks that she's treating everyone with you know equality she's not actually being equitable in her treatment to billy who is transgender and you have to actually take into account you know Somebody's feelings like that of being a transgender person in this very, you know, gender normative environment. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I, I, I've never, I haven't been a huge fan of, of Billy Lee's, you know, character. I think a lot of that has to do with the producers though, of, of just kind of like trying to brand, you know, Sir and Lisa Vanderpump is like a socially progressive kind of thing and saying, oh, look, we have a a transgender person on the show now. But they never actually let Billy Lee be anything but just like, oh, the transgender character. Right. Like every time a new character comes on the show, they're always given, you know, we we learn something more about them. Like Lala was a singer with, you know – This, you know, boyfriend of hers and she loves her mom a lot. And Vale from season three was, like, the soap opera star who, like, did too much cocaine. (laughs) But Billy, it's just like, oh, nope, we've got – she's transgender and, like, that's her whole thing. And, like, so Billy has never been, like, a great character so far, but they haven't let her, you know, actually be – somebody and I felt that frustration for the really for the first time in this confrontation I thought it was it was interesting to see it
0: I I feel that way I also I'm trying to understand her as a person and the things that she talks about on social media is she's very into being in vegan mm-hmm. and against all animal cruelty and very into yoga and she's always saying like things like zen and namaste. She's always saying namaste, which is yeah. also like <laughs> problematic. Right. For many other reasons. But <laughs> <laughs> she I think how she acts on the show is not in line with who she projects herself to be to mm-hmm. the rest of the world. Yeah. And Like someone who cares, like who gets into such petty drama, even with the Kristen and James thing, someone who really is, quote unquote, namaste would sit that one out. Right. And so I think there's a part of her who's like, I'm on this reality show. I need to get involved in the drama. I'm not as close with these girls. I'm going to have to do what I need to do to get on camera. But her not being genuine about who she is is what I think rubbed Lala the wrong way because Lala was her, like, biggest cheerleader in the beginning. Mm. Would hang out with her, gave her her phone number, was like, let's hang out, let's do things together, would bring her around. And I think she started to see that Billy was much more calculated and Lala was calculated in a very different way when she entered the show. She was very true to who she was. She never betrayed who she was as a person. And I think Billy kind of has. Yeah. And so I think that's why a lot of the girls, someone like Katie, Katie keeps a very close knit social circle. Mm -hmm. People always say that she's a bitch and a monster, but I actually think it's a self preservation thing. She doesn't want to show too much of herself to people that don't know the real her because they may paint her to be someone that she's not. Yeah. And I think that that's a smart thing. So it's just very interesting to see all this with Billy. So during the conversation, Billy tries to explain to Lala that she never used the term transphobic. But Lala says, you were (laughs) implying that by the girls not inviting you or tagging you in this flyer, you literally were implying they were transphobic, that the whole reason they didn't do this was because you're a trans woman. And she's like, but I didn't say that.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I I don't think that you know, that was the thing that, you know, made them, you know, I don't like th- I don't think that they're, tr- that they're transphobic
0: trans. I don't think they're people. transphobic at all. And I think that maybe they wouldn't even care to be accused of being trans. I mean, I think it's hurtful to them. But the fact that they were accused so publicly on social media and that all of them rely on their public brand for to make money, to like do things, that that is so tarnishing and such a harsh accusation to make that throwing those words around so carelessly is especially without having a conversation with them directly yeah. that she went to war on social media instead of c- called them. Yeah. Is so crazy. So <laughs> Lala gets really frustrated because Billy rightly says you're coming from, you know, a cis privileged point of view. You've got That's your experience, a cis experience. I have a trans experience. It's different. Lala just doesn't want to hear this. Yeah. And she's like, you're dismissed. I'm done. She walks out of the room. Billy chases her out of the room screaming, you're not better than me, Lala. Just because because you're dating a rich guy, you're not better than me. And this is Lala's, like, she sees red when you mention her man. She is so protective of him. She does not like people mentioning anything negative about him. She just goes crazy and is like, you're psychotic and shouting back at Billy. She ends up leaving the party. Yeah. Then afterwards we see like a true conversation about this is when Ariana steps in.
1: Right. And Ariana, you know, I think, and I'm watching this, you know, happen. And I'm thinking to myself, like, all of these things and then ariana just puts into words exactly you know the diagnosis of the situation she
0: explains she says she to billy like i don't think they didn't invite you because you're trans and i do think that the main issue is that you put this out on social media right and billy does say like she regrets doing that yeah And then Ariane in her confessional, though, also talks about Lala and says you can't just say you're an ally to a trans person and then speak over that person every time they're trying to tell you how they're feeling.
1: Exactly. And I think that Lala, you know, she speaks the same way when she's in a fight with somebody the same way, no matter what. And I think that that's a fault of hers is that she doesn't take the time to actually think about the other experiences and then and how she's coming from a privileged place. And I thought that it was actually the most poignant part of this episode, especially um, when Ariana was able to bridge both of, you know, the different perspectives and in a a very nuanced way that, you know, we don't actually see on reality TV a lot, except a lot of times on Vanderpump Rules, which is why I love the show so much.
0: At the end of the episode, when they're all at the skating party for Tom Sandoval and Jax's birthday, that is 70s themed. (laughs) Billy does go up to Katie and apologize. And I do think she needed to bridge that gap because of how bad it got on social media. Mm -hmm. But she did apologize. And Katie, you know, made it clear, like, you are invited. We're doing this again on Tuesday. Please come. Mm -hmm. But at the same time... In her confessional, Katie says, like, I understand she had these experiences as a child and her experience as a trans person, and she's throwing this all at me, but I'm not going to take that. Yeah. And I I get where she's coming from, but I don't know how much time she's taken to think through really what must have triggered Billy. Because you can say that she did a lot of this for drama for the show, But you could tell there was real pain there. Of course there was, yeah. And I think it was harder for Billy to hear from everyone, I understand your pain, but what your pain is, this is a different kind of pain. Yeah. This is being left out because you are a girl. (laughs) (laughs) You're a girl they don't like. Right. (laughs) So then... Speaking of you know gender fluidity and sexual fluidity, we hear yes. a very interesting story
1: quite the tale,
0: quite the tale. So all the guys get together for Tom Sandoval's birthday and they are doing blowjob shots.
1: <laughs> yes. Which, and I'm watching the show and I was like, oh, blowjob shots. And then my roommates who I was watching it with say, what the hell is a blowjob shot? And I was like, what? You guys have never done a blowjob shot? Like, like, weren't you in college? Yeah. <laughs>
0: just kidding. But then I, then I realized like, that like, <laughs> I literally didn't know those still existed. I hadn't heard of one since 2005. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which really dates me. So they're doing these shots. They're drinking and they're talking about if their girlfriends or partners or wives have ever been with dipped their foot in the lady pond, been with women. And Tom Sandoval says, <laughs> "I don't know if you want to share this story,
1: man. Like you know, I was just like driving and you know,
0: Ariana and Lala were so they've been drinking all day. They were
1: just wasted and." You know, Lala says, like, oh, yo,
0: Sando, (laughs) I'm so into your girl right now. I just want to bring her back here and, like, (laughs) lick her pussy. (laughs) which
1: is a very lala thing to say lala is very and ariana
0: gets in the back seat and And lala goes to town while tom is
1: driving and you know this is yet another uh of the recurring motif of the show of of (laughs) um just the gals you know getting after it It with each other so
0: (laughs) fascinating and What I didn't realize until the confessionals with Ariana is that she is bisexual and she has not ever been public with that because she says people say a lot of crappy things about bisexual people, which is true. And so I wasn't sure if this was just them having fun, if it needed to be a label and Ariana really doesn't like to label herself also. She's just saying she's been with men. She's been with women. And she if she's attracted to someone, she's attracted to them. If she's not, she's not. They can be male, female, or anywhere in between. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very honest and really important to say and important for everyone to hear because that is a common thing. I think a lot of people aren't 100% one way or the other and why do we feel the need to label something that's quote unquote different? Cause I don't go around saying, you know what? Hi, I'm Mandy. I'm heterosexual. Right. You know, even though I am, I never have to come out to anyone or explain Mm -hmm. it. And I think it's a lot to put on people to have to explain their sexuality because it doesn't fall within the, you know, quote unquote norms of society. Exactly. But at the same time, I was wondering like she is in a monogamous relationship with Tom Clearly Tom was not that happy about (laughs) while he's
1: driving like down the four oh five like during rush hour traffic or something. I
0: think he (laughs) I think a lot of people think they might find it hot to see their partner with another person, but when it happens, there is a part a piece of jealousy there. And I think he says he was frustrated by it. But then Jackson Brittany reshare this to Lala, who denies the story yes. until she can confirm with Ariana that it's okay to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really baller thing to do. And it shows how loyal she is as a friend that she was willing to completely lie because she didn't want to throw Ariana under the bus. And I think it, I was kind of like, why would you be throwing her under the bus? But it really had to do with her whole sexuality not just that one experience yeah, is what my understanding was. And so, you know, Tom said, but like, you've been with a girl, like you've had a relationship with a girl before. And she's like, but Tom, that is not your story to tell. That is not for you to share. Mm -hmm. So I really, I understood that he was hurt, but I really understood that she was mad. Oh yeah. With
1: just an incredible camera shot. As he Best walks camera in. Shots. And the long, you know, take. That long the take long take. She's shot, just
0: staring him down. Just,
1: you know, with the soda gun.
0: And she's and just like, like, Your face is annoying. Your hat's annoying. <laughs> go. Get away from my ball. Get bar. away from me. <laughs> But they do make up the next day and I think they had a really mature conversation. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? It really did kind of annoy me when this was going on. I felt left out. And she's like, we were trying to include you. <laughs> well,
1: I'm driving okay. the car. <laughs> I I honestly, I mean, I'm trying to picture exactly what happened. But.
0: I, I <laughs> yeah, it was just interesting. And the fact that everyone else was so shocked by it is also interesting that they managed to keep that under wraps for however long they did and not everyone found out and then when everyone did find out they were shocked too yeah so that was really interesting yeah
1: i did really like the conversation that tom and ariana had and it's a it's a conversation that they have that we've seen them have when before difficult especially when ariana is mad at tom and she is just able to explain how she's feeling with like i mentioned earlier the the nuance that a lot of, you know, people on the show don't have the capability of doing. And I,
0: I think she had this idea when it first happened that he was bragging kind of about her being bi or something to his guy friends to make it sound cool. Because when she first was yelling at him about it, she was like, my sexuality is not something you say to your guy friends to make you look cool. Mm-hmm. And... It became clear that that's not the way that he told the story. He was just like, this happened. Isn't that so crazy? And kind of, he was almost like he was processing it while he was sharing it with the guys. Yeah. It was was not to gossip or anything like that. Yeah. And I think once she realized, like, this isn't, you know, he's not malicious. He wasn't sharing it maliciously, but yet it still wasn't okay to share. Yeah. They got to a place of understanding
1: i definitely have a lot of empathy for ariana Mm -hmm. in the way that you know this isn't for for tom to just say not only to Mm -hmm. you know the guys over some whiskeys but you know to all of the camera crew that's around there too
0: and to millions of americans that that watch the show and because now she's been outed and has to explain her sexuality but in a way i bet it is somewhat freeing because She's been holding this in for years. She's been on the show forever. No one's ever known she was bi or whatever you want Mm -hmm. to call it. And maybe now she doesn't have to hide that part of her anymore. Because I always feel she is holding something back. She does give a lot to the camera. She does give a lot to the storylines. But I'm always feeling she's an onion. And we've been peeling back the layers for years. And then last year it was about her. She had an abusive ex who was male who would say nasty things to her and she made her hate her body. And she had issues with that and she went to therapy and she started to deal with it, but there are so many layers to her and this is just another layer. And so I appreciate getting to know her slowly, but Mm -hmm. I also don't want her to feel like she's holding back and trying to keep track of which parts of her she shares and which she doesn't.
1: Yeah. I think that she puts a genuine level of effort into self-discovery and gaining a lot of self-worth with herself in a way that we see other characters do kind of superficially mm-hmm. like last season jacks does his reiki, reiki or oh whatever and he's just like got the hots for the the reiki therapist so he just you know goes and does this he's like oh i feel so you know cured by these rocks that this hot woman is like giving me <laughs> and i'm going to FaceTime her from mexico but ariana is actually like no i have issues and i need to work on them
0: well anyways thank you so much garrett for oh, being on thank you i so much really for having me. appreciate your insights on all of this where can we find you
1: i am on facebook And I also uh, am on Twitter. Yeah. What is,
0: isn't, aren't you like Tom Sandoval wardrobe apologist on Twitter? Yes, that is
1: my display name.
0: What is your handle?
1: At Socretariat, S-O-C-R-E-T-A-R-I-A-T. I don't even know the the, the origin of it anymore.
0: <laughs> was it like your AAM name, or are you too young for AAM?
1: No, so I used to be really into horse racing, and I like it was like secretariat, but the E was. Like taken. I, he was taken. So I don't even know. But <laughs> <laughs> that's just what it's been. Are you on Instagram at all? I'm actually not on Instagram.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, gotta so get you on there. Every time, like I hear about Vanderpump Rules, people like going off on Instagram. They're very into Instagram. Yeah. I'm much
0: more of a Twitter person. I'm yeah. trying really hard to get into Instagram, but it yeah. is fascinating. I do follow just just for the Vanderpump Rules. Folks. yeah and all the housewives <laughs> well thank you we're gonna have to have you on again because your I... insight is fabulous oh, and anytime. wait before we go can you say in james kennedy's voice it's not about the pasta
1: it's not about the pasta lala <laughs> it's amazing. not about the pasta have
0: a good week everyone yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bye Now I'm gonna do some short recaps of The Real Housewives of New Jersey and The Real Housewives of Atlanta. So Jersey this week continues to deliver. Oh my God. So it starts out with all of the ladies hanging out separately, trying to make sense of the dinner the night before where Margaret and Jennifer had gone after each other and Margaret so eloquently said that Jennifer's lips looked like a monkey's asshole. So Danielle and Teresa are talking, and Danielle is saying that Margaret is a bad person, had been mean to her all year, and Teresa sort of agrees and says that if Margaret didn't like Danielle, then Margaret should not have gone to her wedding. And I actually agree with that. If Margaret had such an issue with Danielle and just was at her wit's end with her, she should not only have not gone to the wedding, but not been in the wedding as a bridesmaid. Then it shows Jackie, Dolores, and Margaret hanging out at the pool. Jackie was saying how she's taking four days off from the gym for the first time ever, and she's eating and drinking what she wants, uh, which is really great to see. And then Dolores actually shares that she had an eating disorder back many years ago and that she didn't even realize it until her parents pointed it out to her. They then talk about the epic fight between Margaret and Jennifer, and Dolores sort of defends Jennifer's behavior, saying, you know what, she was drunk. They then look up pictures of a monkey's asshole, and it is hilarious. So while those ladies are hanging out at the pool, Teresa, Melissa, Danielle, and Jennifer go shopping. And while they are shopping, Melissa tells Jennifer that, you know what, you say stupid things when you're drunk. Danielle redirects everything back to her and is saying, well, what about Margaret? There's a reason that her stepkids don't speak to her. My children are always with me. Why aren't hers? I can tell you why. She's malicious. Melissa is quick to say, you know what? We don't talk about kids. That's crossing a line. Danielle then freaks out at Melissa for pointing out that she had crossed a line. She plays the victim and she runs away. And Teresa goes after Melissa and Jennifer goes after Danielle. Melissa's talking to Teresa saying, I don't understand why you keep turning a blind eye to on Danielle's behavior. Melissa points out that at Melania's song event, Danielle was caught red-handed she was caught lying she had said that Margaret told her not to trust either Teresa or Melissa but it turns out she never said that then it shows Jennifer going after Danielle they have a conversation and Jennifer tells Danielle that Melissa has quote-unquote obviously picked her side meaning she's decided to side with Margaret. But this whole idea that there are sides and people have to pick and choose and it's just going to continue is not good. Jennifer shows that she has empathy for Danielle and does not quite understand why everyone hates her. Then that night, they all go to a beautiful dinner. Jennifer starts by ordering tequila on the rocks, and Melissa says, here we go, which upsets Jennifer. Margaret says, I don't think you know... What you sound like when you drink. And Melissa says that Teresa wasn't really able to enjoy her gift because of all of the fighting that happened as a result of giving that gift. Jennifer says that Margaret's snarky comments really triggered her. And Margaret says that Jen makes everything about herself. They then rehash all of the mean things they've said about each other, which is quite unhelpful. Jennifer says, you know, Margaret, You're used to an environment of cheating. She mentions Margaret's mother, who apparently was having an affair with a married man for many years, saying, you know, I get it, but those things should be kept secret. Margaret's obviously offended. This woman is talking about her mother, and she says, you're absolutely right, and you know what? That's why your husband sleeps in the fucking pool house. (laughs) Margaret then goes ahead and says, word on the street is that your husband has a girlfriend. Jen freaks out she says you better shut the fuck up with that and Margaret goes hit a nerve Jen is visibly upset she gets up from the table she walks away and Danielle follows her and Dolores tells Margaret that you know what you hit below the belt and Teresa says unless you have proof you should keep your mouth shut and even Jackie says you know what I love you Margaret but I'd be really pissed if you inferred that my husband was cheating on me Yeah, no shit. So Jennifer points out that once a rumor is out there, it follows you and it just never goes away. And that's part of why she's so upset that not only was this put out there, but it was clearly done on camera, which is incredibly upsetting. So Jennifer comes back to the table and Margaret, after collecting herself, says, You know what? I actually don't know anything about your marriage. I said this to hurt you and it was below the belt and I'm sorry. Jen says that she said things to hurt Margaret, too, and they both agree that they're pissed off and want to move on. Now, I think this is the quickest I've seen any housewives fight de-escalate ever. It seemed that it happened within a matter of minutes. But of course... The next day comes. So they go ride camels on the beach. It seems like everyone's having a great time. Jennifer feels thankful that Danielle had come after her the night before and continues to not quite understand why everyone else has a problem with Danielle. Danielle and Teresa decide that they need to protect Jennifer from Margaret moving forward and that Margaret definitely crossed the line with talking about Jennifer's husband, something that really upset Teresa because people have spoken about her husband, and so this is something that she is very sensitive about. Teresa says that she saw a different side of Margaret that night. So the day finishes, and they get ready for their final dinner in Mexico together. And everyone's really hoping that it won't be like the first two dinners and end in a screaming match. And it really seems like things might be heading in a good direction. Everyone's joking around. They're talking about sex. They're talking about Jennifer's sensual lips. And then Danielle starts stirring the pot and says, we were talking about your lips today to Jennifer, your monkey ass lips. This obviously gets Jennifer upset. I think she hoped that they could put all of that behind them, but Again, Jennifer is drinking tequila, and she seems like she is getting pretty lit. So we're not entirely sure where this is going to go. It seems that the entire mood soured after Danielle made that statement, but it also looked like there had been some editing. So between Danielle making that statement and when Margaret started talking, it seemed like things really escalated, but I don't know how much time had passed. So Margaret gets mad at Danielle for making that Comment and just kind of goes a little bit nuts, says, No one cares about you. You're a liar. And Teresa stands up for Danielle and says, That's not true. I care about Danielle. And then looks at Margaret and says, Last night you said a lie. You said a lie about Jennifer's husband. And Margaret reminds her, You know what? I said that to hurt her and I apologized. Then Danielle snarks, Well, at least you got an apology, Jennifer. And Danielle and Margaret continue to hurl insults at each other. Teresa then says, just because you don't like Danielle anymore doesn't mean that we all don't have to like her. And Margaret says, I never said that, but she's just irrelevant to me. And then Danielle goes for the jugular. She says, I have people that I care about. You know what? I don't see your children anywhere, so don't ever talk about me. You can see that Melissa is getting furious that Danielle is mentioning kids. Danielle continues, If you'd spend a little more time with your kids, maybe they'd be here. You'd see your grandkids and maybe, just maybe, you'd have a relationship with them. Melissa then shouts, Kids are off limits, Danielle. Teresa says, You know what? She's trying to make a point. And right now, it's very clear that Teresa is not seeing the bigger picture, that it's not okay to talk about people's children, because you know if they were talking about Teresa's kids, she would go crazy. So Margaret laments that Danielle is really getting what she wants. She's poisoned Teresa against her. And Margaret tells Danielle, you're an old dog with no new tricks, and you don't know my kids. Danielle interrupts her, nobody knows your kids, they're nowhere around, Margaret says, they are around, but they wouldn't be around you, but they're around me. Danielle yells, they're not around you, and Margaret has been pushed to the edge and ends up throwing her glass of red wine at Danielle, to which Danielle screams, you fucking cunt. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is just amazing television. Um, Danielle then goes to throw a glass at Margaret and producers and the cameraman intervene. At this point, they are physically restraining her. During a confessional, Dolores explains that there's an unwritten rule in the group that you don't talk about children. And had Danielle spoken about Dolores's children, she would have no teeth left. So Danielle is talking to the ladies who are still there and she points at Margaret, who's walking away and saying, that's what jealousy looks like. Now, this was really interesting because this whole idea that Margaret is jealous of Danielle is a narrative that Danielle has been pushing and one that we heard come out of Marty's mouth a few weeks ago, that the reason Margaret doesn't like Danielle is because she's jealous of her, which is just, we all know, utter BS. So Teresa appears to be taking Danielle's side, which really irks Melissa. And she says, since when are you so anti-Margaret? And Teresa said, ever since last night when she talked about Jennifer's husband. You know, people talked about my husband too, and it's wrong. And Melissa points out that, you know what? When Margaret did that, Jennifer had previously talked negatively about Margaret's mother. That's what started it all. And Danielle keeps going on and on about how Margaret wronged her, how she had to run after Margaret at her own wedding to convince her to stay. And Melissa asks Teresa, is this why you don't like Margaret? And Teresa's visibly upset and annoyed and says, do you have fucking memory loss? Were we in her wedding? Melissa responds, yes. Teresa says, they were best friends and she dropped her like that when we got back from the wedding. And Melissa Says, do you have memory loss? Do you remember how they were arguing the whole time? And Danielle's like, Who does that at somebody's wedding? And Teresa shouts, Exactly, who does that? At this point, Melissa just points at Danielle and says, Teresa, this one's got you going in circles. You don't even know what you're saying anymore. You drank the fucking Kool-Aid, honey. Teresa accuses Melissa of drinking Margaret's Kool-Aid and said, she said something about her kids. She said something about Danielle. That's strike three for me. To which Jennifer, who is so drunk, gets up and goes, thank you. You know, and reminds everyone that, Margaret brought into the universe that my husband has a girlfriend. Melissa's like, you need to drink a glass of water. And Melissa returns to Teresa and said, what Margaret and Danielle are fighting about has nothing to do with you or I. Capiche? And they agree to that. Uh, Melissa says that either Danielle or Jennifer threw a glass at her, to which Jennifer responds, if I threw a glass at you, sweetheart, you would know it. And then proceeds to break a glass. And the episode ends. It is so insane. There is so much broken glass at this dinner. I can't believe that we saw the cameraman and producers intervene, but it was reality TV gold. If you have not watched this episode, please go back and watch it. It is definitely worth the entire hour of your time. Now, I want to go into The Real Housewives of Atlanta quickly. So, this season of Atlanta, I'm not finding as exciting as I think previous seasons, but I also think that has to do a lot with Nini and where her mind is at because of everything going on with her husband, Greg, who is sick with cancer. And we get a little bit into what's going on in her head, or at least understand her frustrations in this week's episode. So, it starts out with the issue that happened last episode where Tanya was very offended at an offhand remark that Nini made when they were getting their fortunes told in Tokyo. And Tanya had something written about getting married. And we know that she's engaged to a guy named Paul. And Nini made some comment like, well, if not him, then somebody else or maybe it'll be somebody else. And Tanya was very offended and Nini, at this point, is just so frustrated. She has a lot on her mind. She's not sure why Tanya is taking this so seriously and said, if you took it personal, too bad. And Tanya's like, I did take it personal. You know, why are you wishing that I don't marry someone? Why are you wishing I'm not marrying him? And Nini's like, I'm not wishing a motherfucking thing, okay? Paul is not on my radar. And at this point, I really think Tanya should have just calmed down and stepped away and realized that this has nothing to do with her and Paul or even her and Nini. It has everything to do with Nini and her issues at home with Greg. But Tanya, of course, starts crying. Nini's really mad and annoyed and frustrated and says that she has a lot going on, stuff that not any of them even know about. And Nini gets up and she leaves that meal and ends up taking a taxi back to the hotel by herself which is somewhat of a shame because she misses an epic takedown of Marlo by Eva. Yes, Eva, who's barely done anything all season, finally gets interesting. So on this bus ride, which seems like it's at least an hour, Tokyo is a huge city and they're going from one side to another and there's traffic and it is just crazy. So Marlo ends up, making some snide comment to Ava, who has told Shamari not to wear platform sneakers that night out. And she says, I know you ain't talking, Ava. You're Birkenstock wearing ass. And Ava's like, don't come from my flats. They're still Chloe and Fendi. I don't even know what Chloe is, by the way. And Marlo's like, please, you get your shoes at Zara. And they just go on and on and on fighting about labels and whether or not they wear runway clothes, whether or not they rent their clothes or own their clothes. I honestly had trouble following it. But then Ava takes a dig at Marlo's wig. And we know that Marlo's luggage has been lost. And that includes her wigs and her wig glue. So her hair is not looking very good right now now and she said put your wig down and leave me alone and keeps like making comments about her wig all the other girls are laughing Marlo finally says like respect your elders child and Ava says girl I got two kids and a husband what do you have and Marlo's like two kids by two different men and Ava's like and what do you have and You know, I just thought that was a little bit nasty because why are you putting it in someone's face that they're not married and have kids? Like, you don't have to go there. So Cynthia does joke that Ava chopped Marlo up like a spicy tuna roll. And the guide is there, their tour guide, just laughing, not quite sure what to make of it. Um That night, they end up going out for karaoke in the red light district of Tokyo, which apparently does not look like the red light district in Amsterdam or other cities. They just don't think it's very scandalous. But they end up doing karaoke, having so much fun, and they end the night with an escape song, Understanding. And when Nini does her confessional about this, I mean, I was laughing so hard. She said... I love that song. Every time I hear that song, I can't even believe Candy's on it. (laughs) So shady. (laughs) So unfortunately, the next morning, Ava finds out that her grandpa is still not doing well after his heart attack and the family plans to take his breathing tube out. The women really rally around Ava. It was really beautiful to see. She was contemplating leaving early, but then decides to stay because it's not going to change anything if she flies home, you know, 12 hours earlier. It's going to be the same situation, and she decides that they should go out and spend the day together and honor her grandfather's life. So they all get ready to meet up at 11:15 a.m. to leave for a cultural event. They're going to a place where they meet some geishas. So Nini is only two minutes late, but the bus leaves without her. And she does not want to follow in a car, even though the producers have gotten a car for her to make sure she still gets there. And she says, you know what? Go ahead. Go ahead without me. I don't even want to go anyway. And Portia and her confessional goes, did you hear how calm Nini was? Y'all go ahead. I'm good. Enjoy. She's going to murder one of us tonight. I can feel it. <laughs> it's like there's so much lurking under the surface with Nini. She is really just crashing. So They do the event with the geishas and play some games and eventually go out for lunch. And Nini does join them at lunch, but you can tell that she's still a little annoyed and needs space. But you know who can't tell that she needs space? Tanya. Because when they're leaving lunch, Tanya grabs Nini and says, Before we get on this bus, can we have a moment? No, Tanya, you cannot have a moment. So Nini says, can we have it on the bus? You know, she's got a lot of other things to think about. And Tanya says, I know some of the stuff you're going through with Greg, and I understand that. Narrator, no, she does not understand that. Moving forward. She explains that she was upset about the comments that Nini made, something we all know. And that she was especially upset because they're friends, and that Tanya didn't understand why Nini would say anything about her and Paul. And Nini explains, You took it wrong. And Tanya said, I thought you were speaking negatively, and that's just how I felt at the time. And Nini says, I'm sorry you feel that way, but I didn't mean it like that. Tanya goes on and on and on. And then at the end says, but we're here for Ava. And like, can we turn it up for her? And Nene says, you know, okay, I'll try. Like, let's let's do this. And then it goes to Nene's confessional where she says, I can let Nene, her alter ego, come out anytime I want to. Nene is on life support at the moment. You don't want to mess with Nene. Nene is a Powerball winner. She ain't what you want. Well, I hope we don't see Nene next week because I'm scared to see her. But this episode did have a few really hearty laughs, especially after the lunch when Marlo was going through the door frame and all the door frames are a little bit shorter in Japan and so they normally duck but Marlo's wig got caught and almost came off and her and Cynthia and the tour guide were just in a fit of laughter. It was so funny. Well I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to rate and subscribe and leave a nice comment if you like. Have a great week everyone So that's it for this week's episode. Please be sure to subscribe and follow on Twitter and Instagram at ITRL underscore podcast. See you next week.
1: Lowe's Spring Fest is here. We've got $10 off gallon cans or $40 off 5-gallon pails on select interior and exterior paints, stains, and coatings. And appliance special values plus free local delivery on appliances $396 or more in-store and online. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. Offers valid through 414. Actual paint sizes are 116 to 640 fluid ounces. Exclusions apply. See lowes.com slash rebates for rebate terms and conditions. For appliances, restrictions, and additional fees may apply. See lowes.com or store for details. U.S. only.